Hello and welcome to the Artsy Podcast, where three editors take you around the art world. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by Features producer, Molly Gottschalk. Hey, Isaac. And staff writer, Alexa Gotthard. Hi, Isaac. Hey to both of you. So, Molly, we're going to be talking about your article, how the female gaze is changing the photographs of women, and using that as a jumping off point uh, to sort of talk about a lot of the issues raised by the photographers that you highlight from this book, Girl on Girl by Charlotte Jansen. Um, but before we get there, I was wondering if maybe you could just quickly give us, you know, the history of the term female gaze. So in the mid-70s, feminist film critic Laura Mulvey coined the term the male gaze, um, which is the idea that in film, film is seen through the perspective of a male. Um, women are placed in film as passive objects for male pleasure. And so the term female gaze is kind of positioning an oppositional way of looking at at the world, basically, and at people. Right. So basically, we're seeing an increasing number of female photographers who are sort of um, challenging the male gaze in reclaiming what representations of uh, women look like. Um, if you think about the history of photography, despite the fact that there have been so many women photographers, it really has been a male-dominated field. And when you think about images of women, you think of um, Irving Penn, Richard Avedon, Guy Bourdin. Um, so we've seen a large number of um, young women who are beginning to photograph themselves and their peers. Um, this is often written about in um, with the idea that you know they're sort of reclaiming uh, femininity or um, their images are all meant to be um, have like feminist ideas behind them. Um, so this book by Charlotte Jansen is sort of re a reaction to that narrative that she's was seeing in the media that often is limiting, where it's, you know, just because these photographers are women that their photographs necessarily have to be about the same things. So she sought to um, reveal the scope of what these images are actually about in her book. So what is this sort of new generation of uh, women photographers who obviously have like a lot of historical precedents, but what does it look like and, and how are they sort of uh, taking photographs and, and what sort of mechanisms are they using to distribute those images? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is this kind of, I don't know if we can call it a phenomenon, but something like a phenomenon happening across happening across social media and contemporary culture right now that is corralled by this term girl culture. Um, a lot of young female photographers with the dawn of the camera phone have taken up this idea of the female gaze and explored it of their own volition. So are using their camera phone to take photos of their female friends, of themselves, girls and young women from their teenage years to their early 20s and and really um, foreground this idea that they're they're individuals. They're not objects of the male gaze. They're feminine in all the multifarious ways you can be feminine. They're body positive. So through a lot of these different female, young female photographer voices, we're seeing a wide range of femininity displayed. Um, and many of the photographers um, within this group are as you said, they're challenging body ideals that media the media has put forward. Um, for example, Ashley Armitage and Petra Collins, um, you know, both have sort of created controversy by publishing photographs of um, their unshaven bikini line to Instagram, which is basically saying, you know, this is um, women being proud of how they look, um, women of all different uh, body types. Uh, 
Um, and Ashley, for example, uh, did a story for Teen Vogue in which she photographed women of all different body types on the beach, um, you know, ahead of summer. I think it was titled something like The Only Beach Body Inspiration You'll Need. I know you've mentioned that girl on girl is a reaction to girl culture. How does that sort of manifest in the book? So she um, she's providing a more nuanced understanding of what these women's work is about. Um, Charlotte interviewed 40 different artists from 17 countries. And you see just an incredible variety of subject matter here. You know, some of them, some of these images are about feminism. Um, some of them are not. Um, one of my favorite series in the book is by a Moroccan artist, Lala Asaidi, and she's um, challenging traditional um, depictions of Arab women by uh, male European painters that uh, see these women uh, reclining in harems. Um, they're very exoticized, very erotic. Um, in her photographs, she has these women uh, very uh, powerfully like staring back at the viewer so they're not these passive objects that are being uh, looked on from voyeurs but they're they're really sort of reclaiming their space in in the image yeah what was really striking to me about Lala's images is as you mentioned that distinction between earlier precedents and her work I immediately thought of the impressionist painter Jean-Léon Jerome who was depicting these harems in his paintings but the women were notably all naked and in Lala's work, they were fully clothed. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember Charlotte mentioning in the book that they were still seductive, but they were seductive because the women were presenting themselves as, as so powerful. Um, another photographer who is uh, challenging traditional um, depictions is Pixie Lau. She's a Chinese photographer, and I think she was originally inspired by Annie Leibovitz's very famous photograph from 1980. Um, you have Yoko Ono fully clothed, and then John Lennon, who uh, is nude, is sort of um, curled up in a ball, embracing her on the side. Um, Pixie sort of replicates that in some of her photographs where her boyfriend will be fully nude, but but she's not. Um, so in contrast to much of our history, you have her in this position of power, fully clothed. I mean, one thing that I think is interesting, though, is that you mention Annie Leibovitz, you mentioned Yoko Ono. Um, talking about girl culture reminds me of the riot girls of the, the late 80s and 90s, who also like asserted body like positivity although through sort of a more punk framework distributing images through zines so i'm kind of curious about like what is sort of the the history here and how uh ha ha what are sort of like maybe the influences of of the photographers that we see today because obviously they're not arising out of nowhere and there's plenty of women who in the past have, have been dealing with these these topics pretty forcefully i think like cindy sherman is maybe the most prominent example a historical precedent that immediately came to mind when Molly mentioned Petra Collins' images of the unshaped bikini line was 1970s feminist photographer and conceptual artist Valley Export. She famously took an image of herself <clears throat> in this um, in this kind of leather-clad outfit holding a gun. Her legs were spread and her vagina was exposed. So it, it, it was a different approach to what Petra is doing. Um, that came from a place of first wave feminism, asserting women um, as 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 equal to men. And Petra is definitely building on that, but in a very different way, in a way that's celebrating kind of innocent, natural femininity as opposed to to um, more aggressively asserting it. And while there are definitely historical precedents, I think an important thing 
um, to remember and something that many female photographers deal with is uh, not always being connected to the photog- the female photographers that came before them strictly on the basis of being a woman. Um, so for example, in the book, you have uh, Juno Calypso, who is a photographer. Um, she's uh, best known for a series where she went to a Pennsylvania honeymoon suite, spent a week there dressing up as sort of this uh, female character, um, enjoying these sort of private fantasies in hotel rooms. Um, Her work is frequently um, mentioned with reference to Cindy Sherman. Any woman who turns the camera on herself or deals with uh, masquerade in any way is always said to be derivative of Cindy Sherman. And I think uh, Juno puts it well in the book. She says, you know, why is there only room for one woman to do this? That's really interesting that you bring that point up because there were women photographers and artists doing what Cindy Sherman is doing before she did it. Um, as early as the 1920s in the Bauhaus, a woman artist named Gertrude Arndt was dressing herself up as female archetypes and putting herself in front of the camera. I mean, Cindy Sherman is obviously an incredible artist, but it just so happened that she she was doing this in a time that culture really responded to it. I mean, so so what do you think it says that, that you know, the dialogue around this topic is so often constrictive in terms of like who it allows to enter and how many examples of a type of photographer are sort of cited or known, you know, sort of thinking about the dominance of Cindy Sherman. What does it sort of say about the the construction of the narrative around women photographers? Um, Unfortunately, the art landscape and the landscape of art scholarship is still still quite sexist. It It still allows more room for men artists than for women artists. And that is the case with photography as it is with other mediums. And it's something that we're becoming more and more aware of and that female artists and female scholars in particular, but of course male, some male scholars and artists as well are proactively trying to combat and write. And Girl on Girl may be a, an example of that. Definitely. And luckily today, contemporary female photographers are able to self-promote. They don't have to rely on scholars to discover their work, to write about their work. They can use social media platforms like Instagram. So for instance, Petra Collins, an art, a photographer who we've talked about throughout this podcast, really became popular on Instagram first and foremost. She has almost 500,000 followers, which is fascinating, and that makes her work all the more influential. Many of those followers, as Molly and I have talked about before, are women. So when she does surface an image of a woman with an unshaven bikini line, that has influence on younger, younger women, older women, anyone who's looking at her work. I think, as you said, this um, ability to self-publish has really had an impact. These women photographers don't necessarily need a stamp of approval from a publication. They're publishing to their own Instagram account, Tumblr, um, whatever whatever platform it is that they choose um, and are able to build these very wide audiences of supporters. Yeah, that really allows a wide range of women to express themselves in a wide range of ways, aesthetics approaching femininity from from many different angles. And what I think is really interesting is thinking about the wider consequence of this work. Um, Something that really stood out to me in Charlotte's book, um, she wrote, if we aren't able to see more than an expression of feminism or femininity in a photograph of a female figure, how can we expect to see more than this when we encounter women elsewhere? 
And I think this really hits on an important point because it's ultimately allowing for a greater understanding of women. Yeah, totally. Girl culture, this idea of girl culture and the photographers involved with that movement really opened an audience up to a specific kind of femininity, but other female photographers today are really expanding that and and in the process expanding the multifaceted meaning of femininity. All right, so where in the art world are you going to be drinking white wine this week? Alexa, we'll start with you. You look nervous. It's not <laughs> <No>. a test. <laughs> Apologies. Um, I was just looking very intently at this preview of an exhibition I'm really excited to see this weekend at Downs and Ross. It's a Lower East Side gallery. It's the work of young female artist Andrea Crespo. And she, um, interestingly and applicably to our podcast today, is responding to traditional representations of women in the media. Molly? Um, I recently saw Sarah Swinner's uh, new show at Foxy Production, which is also a gallery in Lower East Side. Um, she's a young Canadian photographer who I love, and she has a new film that's basically a meditation on the color rose gold, like her rose gold iPhone, um, and looking at how color can manifest desire. Um, it's stunning, and I want to go back and watch it again. And I'm going to be seeing Georgia O'Keeffe at the Brooklyn Museum. I feel like at least 10 people on this podcast have said they're going to see this show, uh, but, but I'm really looking forward to it. So that's all we have time for this week. Thanks so much to Alexa and Molly for joining us. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. See you next time. Our producer is editorial associate Abigail Kane, and the theme music is by Broke for Free.